When I was deconstructing, it was often hard to know what Christian thinkers to trust. As I sorted through the larger-than-life questions, I would bounce from book to book and video to video trying to find someone that was authentic, educated, and didn't sugarcoat the hard questions that I was dealing with. Timothy Keller was one of those voices. Today we remember who Keller was, look at his impact on our journeys, and examine some lessons from the late Timothy Keller. Now, when I see him uh, dying so that I could live, when I see him going through all this incredible grief and sorrow so he could bring joy to the world, that enables me to sorrow in a far better way. Welcome to the show that loves doubters. Here on Christianity Still Makes Sense, we are making sense of the doubts that can deconstruct our Christian faith with near apostate and now pastor and apologist, Dr. Bobby Conway. I'm your host, Tim Hall. Well, Tim Keller recently passed away from cancer. In honor of the impact that he had, we wanted to reflect on his life and highlight some of the lessons that we learned from Keller in hopes that it would spark an interest in you to dig deeper into his life's work. Bobby, for those who might not be familiar with Timothy Keller, give our audience a brief overview of him. So we lost a giant of the faith with Timothy Keller's passing, but what a life he lived and what an encouragement he was to so many of us. He was born in Allentown, Pennsylvania in 1950, and he passed away May 19th of 2023. So just recently, and he died from an extended battle with pancreatic cancer. He actually had thyroid cancer uh, many years ago and was able to see some victory there, but this one was a doozer. He came to fame, Tim, later in life. In fact, it was after 9-11 that he became fairly prominent where his name was really getting on the radar. His church after 9-11 exploded uh, because it is there in Manhattan. And when the Twin Towers went down, all kinds of people uh, were looking for comfort and it just blew up. Uh, but it wasn't until 2008 with the release of his book, Reason for God, that he would become a household name for Christians. And that was a wonderful apologetic treatise, helping people to understand that God and faith and reason go hand in hand. He was a Presbyterian pastor of Redeemer Prez in Manhattan uh, that he founded back in, I think, 1989. But he was a prodigious writer, a thought leader, often compared to C.S. Lewis, uh, in fact, uh, he was deeply influenced by the writings of Lewis. But Keller, uh, he would pass away, leaving behind his wife, Kathy, whom he married in 1975, and along with his three children. So that's just a little snapshot of who Timothy Keller is. Yeah, I mean, I'll echo that. He had a massive impact both on, on my life, and I, I first remember him from the Reason for God book that you mentioned. It was kind of a response to the New Atheist, just uh, in-depth, great writing. Where do you first remember hearing about Keller? It was during my time at Dallas Theological Seminary. Uh, he was uh, somebody that a friend of mine uh, tapped into a a Roman series that Keller had presented, and it just blew my friend away, the way that Keller presented the gospel. And I feel like I just started hearing his name constantly after that. It's like the person who uh, has been trying 
uh, to get his wife pregnant. And then finally she's pregnant. And then you just notice pregnant woman everywhere. <laughs> I mean, this was the case. It was like Keller was everywhere. And, you know, it's unique because he became famous in his 50s. And that's an interesting concept because a lot of times people experience fame young in life and they fizzle out. But he's somebody that certainly he was well known within his Presbyterian circles. But really, especially after the book in 2008 with Reason for God, uh, that really gave him traction because that became a New York Times uh, best-selling uh, book. And he would produce books like crazy. Um, literally, he was just writing book after book after book. It felt like he was putting out about two books a year uh, during, uh, you know, the 2008 to 2020 timeframe. Yeah. Yeah. I, I remember the, one of the churches that I was at, we did a Reason for God series. We did a Reason for God, you know, small group curriculum. And that was kind of one of the forays into apologetics, as I mentioned earlier. But Bobby, what are some of your favorite books that he's wrote? He's written several of them. Which one stands out to you the most? Yeah, I mean, we're talking about in a condensed period of time. I mean, he put the work out. Uh, you know, he wrote over 30 books uh, in that short time span. And among them, uh, you know, was obviously Reason for God that we already mentioned. Other books were The Meaning of Marriage, a book called Prayer, uh, Preaching, his book Center Church, Counterfeit Gods, which addresses the idols of our heart. Another book, Making Sense of God, Prodigal God, and many more. I personally read about 20 of his books, and I love his writing style. Clear, thoughtful, practical, humble. He wrote very attuned to the Bible, yet he was also well-rounded. You can sense his theological training coming through and his philosophical understanding and his great observations on culture, uh, his deep awareness of history and even psychology. So when Keller would write, man, you would really feel like you're, you're feasting in a lot of different arenas of learning. And so it was a very well-rounded thought out case that he would present in his books. And it, certainly didn't hurt that he had a photographic memory, Tim, <laughs> when <laughs> yeah. producing uh, this material. But my favorite books, it's tough. I mean, golly, when you think about trying to boil down somebody like Keller, uh, but I would say that there are a few books that really ministered to me in a big way, and that would be Reason for God, as already mentioned. Center Church is a big beastly volume. It's about 500 pages or so, but it's really just his philosophy of church ministry. And it gives so much wisdom for church in the city. I thought it was phenomenal, but the most impactful book for sure was Counterfeit Gods. I just love the way that he would address um, the idols of our heart. You know, when we were younger as Christians, Tim, if you heard the word idol, idolatry or idols, I mean, a lot of people think, I don't have any idols. I mean, we would think in terms of, you know, you know, the people in the wilderness melting down their gold and dancing around a calf. Uh, we didn't right. have that. But he really exposed that, no, idolatry lives on 2.0 style. It's been updated in our heart. And he helps us to detect those idols. And he shows us that if 
we make any one of these idols supreme in our life, he shows us where our life will go wrong. And I just thought that was rich. Uh, and I'd encourage everybody, it's a short book, but if they haven't read it, Counterfeit Gods. Excellent book, excellent material. I would also agree. Reason for God is probably my favorite one, and I do, I do really enjoy kind of the linkage between a C.S. Lewis and Tim Keller. They they had very similar writing. It was very clear. It was thought provoking, and, and it just made you want to continue to dive in more. And his preaching was the same way. I mean, it was just one of those things that the more he talked, you just wanted more and more and more. But what would you say that that Keller was really truly known for? Boy, I mean, here is an individual that really uh, made an impact on a lot of people, those who knew him, uh, and even those like us that didn't. I never had the privilege of meeting Timothy Keller or even seeing him live uh, in person. I would have loved that, uh, but unfortunately, our paths never crossed. But Keller is known for being a respected thought leader And Tim, that is so refreshing as a pastor. I would say for me personally, he would be the go-to pastor that I would look to. A lot of times uh, I find that I turn to professors or philosophers or theologians uh, to get fed because I I, I frankly don't get a ton out of pastors. And, And that's because a lot of them just quit learning when they get out of seminary or they just consume a cultural diet and it's hard to feel fed on that and so what keller did is boy you could learn from him and be fed and he was also the kind of leader that anybody could learn from so if you were you know far along in the christian walk you'd really appreciate that he always kept you thinking but if you were a new believer he packaged his words in such a way that people could get it so he was my go-to model for pulpit ministry Uh, He's also known for his ability to contextualize the gospel, and especially in the context of city ministry. I mean, he was phenomenal at really showing the difference between the gospel and religion and showing us, you know, what it means to live and walk in grace. Uh, He was generous in his ability to minister cross-denominationally. He was a Presbyterian, but he was, you know, ecumenical in his heart, not compromising his theology, but being warm toward others. He was also known for his amazing writing and speaking ability. Uh, What's interesting about Keller, though, is when he spoke, it wasn't with a lot of flash. Uh, You know, the introduction of our show today, you could just see Keller and he's got a calm demeanor and he's got a relaxed conversational approach, but something just felt very authentic about the way that he presented himself. Uh, You know, stripping away all the flash that you get with so much of these megachurch pastors, he really just spoke from the heart and spoke from the mind and spoke from the spirit and based it all on the word. And it was just beautiful to listen to him speak. Uh, he's also definitely in his lifetime was considered a sage, uh, no doubt, like a modern day Solomon, uh, just filled with wisdom on various topics. Again, that photographic memory really came to his aid. He was a gifted church planter as well, Tim. I mean, many churches were planted. Uh, he had a real heart for the church. And 
he was also thought of as an apologist, which very few pastors are considered as apologists. I mean, when you think about it, I mean, you, you probably could count on one hand how many pastors that you know of that are apologists. And he definitely was that way. Um, he was big on clarifying the gospel against religion. So he was good at contextualizing the gospel, as I said, but really showing how it distinguished itself from religion. And finally, I'd say, uh, you know, as we talked about earlier, he was great at helping us recognize the idols of our heart. So those would be some of the themes that I would say, and then you could just go on. I mean, he was humble, he was kind, uh, he was generous. So these are some things you could really appreciate about Keller. Totally. Uh, I mean, I, I agree with all points that you just made there. I would also say that one of the things that I first heard about that I thought was unique was his, at the end of his sermons, he would have like a little Q&A time for visitors or guests or, or you know atheists, agnostics, and he had a spot like reserved in the sanctuary where he would say, after service, if anybody has any questions that you want to challenge me on or clarifications, he would go down to that spot. And that really grew. Again, post 9-11, uh, as his church grew, people really got word of this. This pastor that was like willing to be challenged and like willing to have people throw questions at him, which again, which, which was a rarity uh, in that day and age. So I really appreciated that. That was one of the things that I knew him for and I really liked um, that that he did. But as you mentioned, he had written over 30 books. He's given, you know, message after message. But what are some of your favorite Keller quotes and, and tell us why they're your favorite? Boy, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of them. And uh, boy, I mean, he was just a quoting machine. And uh, I love what you said, too, about the Q&A piece. I mean, that is classic Keller. Uh, and I'm not sure I remember even being aware of that, but that's something we even do in our culture. Uh, and I don't think everybody's equipped to do that. I think people have to honestly assess themselves. You can do that by saying, hey, we only want you to ask, ask questions as it relates to the topic today. But as I would imagine, to open up the can of worms to say, you can ask me whatever you want, uh, that takes a special kind of training, and Keller definitely was trained to do that. I would say that his quotes, I couldn't, you know, boil them all down and say which were my favorite, but I do got a few here that uh, I would uh, share. I love this quote. Keller writes, The gospel says you are simultaneously more sinful and flawed than you ever dared believe, yet more loved and accepted than you ever dared hope. And this is a really popular quote that has really captured people's hearts. He says this uh, as well, an idol is anything more important to you than God, anything that absorbs your heart and imagination more than God, anything you seek to give you what only God can give, anything that is so central and essential to your life that you should lose it, your life would feel hardly worth living. And then he goes on this like little list in another quote, uh, in Reason for God, and he says these types of things. I love it. If you center your life and identity on your spouse or partner, you will be emotionally dependent, jealous, and controlling. If you center your life and identity on your family and children, you will try to live your life through your children until they resent you or have no self of their own. If you center your life and identity on your work and career, you will be a driven workaholic and a boring, shallow person. If you center your life and identity on money and possessions, you will be eaten up by worry or jealousy about money. If you center your life and identity on pleasure, gratification, and comfort, you will find yourself getting addicted to something. 
If you center your life and identity on relationships and approval, you will be constantly overly hurt by criticism and thus always losing friends. If you center your life and identity on a noble cause, you will divide the world into good and bad and demonize your opponents. If you center your life and identity on religion and morality, you will, if you are living up to your moral standards, be proud, self-righteous, and cruel. If you don't live up to your moral standards, your guilt will be utterly devastating. That's got to be my favorite quote of all. But then one last one that's worth in light of what just happened to him. He says, all death can now do to Christians is to make their lives infinitely better. Well, he is surely experiencing that. And again, what a timeless quote that you read. And it was just so worth it to take the time to kind of process through some of that. So mm-hmm. I, just, I want to talk to our audience. If they're looking for uh, other trustworthy voices as you are dealing with doubt, we would invite you to uh, explore the resources at ChristianityStillMakesSense.com. And also, if you're checking us out on YouTube, you might consider subscribing as you'll be notified that each time a new resource is posted. So Bobby, what are some of the lessons that emerging leaders, especially pastors, can glean from Keller? I think Keller shows us that it's possible to grow a church and be thoughtful and practical. Sometimes people buy the lie that, oh, you just got to be practical. You can't be thoughtful. You know, people don't want to think. And he dispels that myth. Uh, So it's not either or, it's both and. He modeled that the gospel and apologetics uh, weren't enemies, but they were friends. Uh, He modeled truth and grace, roots and relevance, outreach and discipleship. So notice what I'm saying. He takes a lot of these issues that people end up living like all truth or no grace or all grace and no truth or all roots and no relevance or all relevance and no roots or all outreach and no discipleship and no discipleship and no outreach or all practicality and no thought or you get the point. He was able to pull both of those together uh, in a way that I think is compelling. And that's something uh, even before I was familiar with Keller, feel in my own heart a passion to try to do to bring head and heart together old and new i think that those are important balances to not make it about one or the other Uh, he modeled an ability to articulate the gospel in everyday language Uh, you know he could connect truth to people's heart he also had an eye toward the future and the past and could work out a ministry recipe for the present and that is a great sagemanship in his leadership. That's what we saw about him. Uh, He modeled humility, integrity, vulnerability, and teachability. So he gives us a lot by way of example to learn from for those of us who are in the ministry. Uh, One of the questions that kind of comes to mind is like, did he ever find himself kind of engaged in a a major scandal or controversy or anything that kind of threatened his platform? I mean, this is so prevalent now as people, you know, are aging and passing away. We we see kind of some skeletons come out. Uh, Was that true of Keller? Fortunately, he wasn't uh, a part of any scandals. Um, uh, He lived an upright life of integrity. Sure, he was fallen. He'd be the first to say it. Uh, But the big thing, uh, Keller was open-minded, right? I mean, he wasn't overly black and white. Um, And he was the kind of person that, uh, because of that, that might rub some people wrong. Uh, For those that really wanted him to be really black and white, that's where he would be criticized. So he might be criticized, um, you know, as it relates to his thoughts on politics or ecumenicalism. Uh, biblical interpretation. There would be people that would look for those types 
of critiques to, to pose against him. But my goodness, uh, you know, it's hard to fault a person who's just trying to rally us together. If he's not compromising theologically, you've got to champion and love his heart for unity. Yeah, and I mean, again, I, I think you do some of those things in a, a very similar fashion to Keller, as you mentioned earlier. Some of the, you know, he, he's kind of someone that you look to. So we've talked about his books, we've talked about some of the quotes, we've talked about his messages. But if you had to recommend one of Keller's books to say uh, maybe three categories of people: a non-believer, kind of your lay believer, and a pastor, which books would you suggest? For the non-believer, Reason for God. I mean, that's an apologetic piece. They can read that and glean a lot. For the believer, Counterfeit Gods, because we erect idols in our heart that we're often blinded to, and I just think it's good to get rid of the idols. And for the pastor, Center Church. And uh, I would even add, by adding one more, his book on preaching. I think that that would be a great resource, his preaching book and Center Church for the people who are in ministry. Well, I know one thing that leaders and leaders in general, but particularly leaders in churches kind of often talk about is their legacy. What, what will live on after them? What do you think Keller's legacy is going to be? Hmm. I think time will tell, but I won't be surprised if he becomes more famous with his passing than in his life. Hmm. He experienced quite a bit of fame. I mean, for somebody, again, to not come to fame until his 50s, um, I really feel like the name Timothy Keller is going to be around for a while. Uh, and it's pretty cool to see the way that he lived his life and the impact that he's had on so many people. I, I, I would be surprised if he arrived at uh, the legacy of a C.S. Lewis. And I think that's largely in part because C.S. Lewis wrote fiction that was turned to film. And so I know that people have compared Keller to Lewis. And I think that in some ways there is some good connections that can be made there. Uh, I think what sets Lewis apart was his imagination in the fictional world that has been captured now in film. And that's really hard uh, to, to, you know, to compete with that kind of legacy, especially it doesn't hurt when you're good friend is, uh, you know, J.R. Tolkien. And so Lewis and the Inklings and all that history is pretty rich, but I do think Timothy Keller, um, in my opinion, uh, could go down as one of the greatest pastors of the 20th century. I really think uh, as a thought leader, uh, he will be impacting people for generations to come. And I'm so thankful for the life that he lived. And as a pastor, I'm motivated to learn more from Timothy Keller in the coming years ahead. Yeah. Kind of just wrap this up for us. Any kind of uh, final or closing thoughts that you would have for anybody that's maybe interested in finding out a little bit more about the man, Timothy Keller, the pastor, the leader? What are your closing thoughts on Timothy Keller? I would say it's really important that all of us just learn to drain some personalities for all they got. You know, get some authors that you really respect and people who lived a godly life and who made a difference and people who stimulate your Christian growth. And if you've not done this with Timothy Keller, uh, you won't be disappointed. Start getting his books, reading through them, and you will be so blessed by what you can learn from this man who made an impact in the lives of so many people. 
Amen. I would completely agree with that. Uh, to our audience, thank you so much for joining us for this episode. Again, if you're looking for other trustworthy uh, voices as you're doubting, as you're deconstructing, Timothy Keller is one of those that is at the top of that list. But we would also invite you to subscribe to this channel, and we think that you would really enjoy this playlist to my right. And with that, we will meet you next time as we still discuss, does Christianity still make sense? Thank you for checking out this episode of Christianity Still Makes Sense. This show is just one of the many resources available to those who are doubting their Christian faith. You can also find others at ChristianityStillMakesSense.com. This is a listener-supported show, and your gift of any amount helps shows like this continue. Click on the donate link on our website. Also, catch Bobby on Pastor's Perspective, where he answers your questions. Finally, if you're watching on YouTube, be sure to click subscribe and check out our other videos on the channel. This show was sponsored by K-Wave and Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa.